Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to scintillating, transcendent and intriguing people from across the performing arts world that help comedians like you and me live our comedy journey on our own terms. Now this man, I went to the famous Philip Golio school all the way in Etomps in France and he was called Tom Fox FBI which he used to do an absolutely smashing set and he is a very funny, very talented theatre owner all the way in Peterborough. And look, they, they, they have a very unique, he's a man who's a theatre organiser. He's a clown act. He is a man of many different shovels and trees and all sorts of different things. He is unique. He is someone you're going to find absolutely scintillating and amazing. And it's an absolute pleasure to have him on the podcast. His name is Tom Fox FBI, <laughs> and you need to understand this one thing as well. You have to get in touch with this him. It is the Lamp House Theatre Company, famous a lot like the film, but with less stuff. He's a unique character. I think without further ado, let's chat to the awesome, fantastic Tom Fox. Hey, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I think I've got to keep the Tom Fox FBI thing. You have to, man. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, what, what you told me a bit about the story on the train, but like for those that didn't listen back home, how did you come up with the name Tom Fox FBI? Well, I did, uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't me. I um, also this is an exclusive. I never told anyone at, at Gollier, but um, I, I genuinely thought that the class started on the Tuesday. Um, I didn't know that, you know, you were all getting together on the Monday. So I was traveling down there on the Monday where all of you had started clown and you did your first class with Philippe. And I, and I heard that people were like, oh, there's this person that's not here yet. And the, you, all, you all looked at the register and it was Tom Fox. And then you all <laughs> went, oh, that sounds like he's from the FBI. So that when I came when I came on Tuesday, really nervous because you all knew each other. Some of you have been there for a year. Some of you have been there for three months. And you knew each other really well. And I was. It was like changing schools at primary school. You know, it was really, really childlike nervous. Exactly. And then you, but then you all went. It's Tom Fox, FBI. Like, how do you? A. How do you know my name? And B. How, where did that come from? So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and that was a bit of a gift, really, for the first day, going, oh, they've given me a character already. And, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to play play on it. Which was yeah, fun. You, you played on it on the first sort of show you did with Henry, didn't you? Like, what, what was what happened there? Like, for people listening back, um, you were with Henry and like, you were having a chat preparing for the show and then, like, you came yeah, out with Tom Fox yeah. FBI. Well, I don't... Have you, I don't know how much you've discussed Gaudier on, on the podcast. Have you discussed your experience? Uh, I discussed my experience two years ago, so it's a bit ah, slightly different now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you go and every day you... Uh, Marvin knows this very well because he did more than I did. But um, So there's movement class in the morning and then there's improvisation in the afternoon. And basically improvisation is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is get up be funny and if you're not funny get off 
they bang a drum and you, you you get off and you know and you have to watch the rest of the class mainly and and you do play games and stuff and uh there are like props and things that you get like the, like the um kicking people in the ass competition was oh. was really fun and the whoopee cushion competition oh yes <laughs> and stuff like that oh and making a plastic poo funny oh yeah that was the that was the most difficult one i think but um yeah so the first day i can't even remember what the exercise was it might have just been go up with a partner and make people laugh it might even be as simple as that so me and henry went up uh and it's probably not funny explaining it but he i think he just we tried loads of things and then they flopped we failed a lot and then henry bless his heart he he created the idea in in the first place he put his hands up and went don't shoot me and then because people had told me that i was tom fox fbi i was like yeah i'm tom fox fbi <laughs> and in the context of the day where i was completely new this character had been given to me and i just the very first thing i said on stage at this school was i'm tom fox fbi it was yeah it was um like I said, it was a gift, really. And boom. Yeah, thank goodness. I can make people laugh on the first day. Yeah. And then everyone's like, yo, this guy's sick. And that's the same <laughs> with Piotro as well. Like when I did the, oh, yeah. with the, the string thing with him, like he got yes. a big laugh and everyone was like, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. And everyone wanted to work with you and Piotro. How do you think? I think I love him. He's great. He's got a brilliant presence, hasn't he? He can just look at an audience and we're like, yeah, we're in. We're, we're invested i'd say he was the only one that sort of nearly got a big laugh and every time he got up on stage yeah. i mean I, i'd say yeah he was the only one that only once did i see him fail mm. Mm. yeah so yeah, piotro yeah. is a very talented clown and improviser from poland he, he he's he's yeah he's he's very unique guys you have to keep your eyes out for him and of course tom fox yeah. <laughs> well i'm excited to see his show in edinburgh um i don't know i can remember the, the name of his show but yeah i'm very excited to see it because he's yeah he's definitely one to watch are you guys going to do a swap like for your show you're gonna you're gonna swap and you're gonna put piotro on and then you're going to piotro's show that's such a good idea <laughs> yeah maybe that could be quite funny. Like we were expecting uh, to see Tom Fox. What happened? Why are we seeing this Polish bloke doing this? And they're like, "This guy is not Polish." Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, that's such a good idea. Although we 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 may find that our shows are very different. Like I've seen a trailer for his show, and it looks beautiful. And he he does he does lots of creative things with very little. So like a, a he's got a suitcase that he opens and he's got stuff in it and he makes these wonderful worlds out of very little and we saw a little bit of that in golia i think yeah going you've just got a phone how do you make it funny and you've, you've only got a phone and a table so i think his show's like that my show is <laughs> is the complete opposite it is throw everything at it we've got so many props so much music um yeah so much movement so basically we're trying to the show's called war of the worlds on a budget so we're trying to tell this epic story of war of the worlds 
again on a budget with with very little and stuff that you find in your house and and out, we've made everything out of cardboard so we've got cardboard aliens and all that kind of stuff so there's been a lot of craft um yeah so his his show looks beautifully simple our show is incredibly complicated but hopefully hilarious so for, for those that are listening back home they're like yo family like yo 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 yeah like we're hearing tom and like this guy talk about random shit in goal yeah yeah we want to change that shit right <laughs> if people are like that yo, what your listeners sound like is it yeah that's exactly how they sound like from yeah. all the way across the globe yeah, yeah. and they're like yeah. yo we want to find out about what this tom is all about like is he like what led this guy to be like oh i want to be a clown and i want to be a performer like what what made this egg what made it um i think it i think it has to be it all started with improvisation um when i was about 15 16 someone showed me a video of whose line is it anyway um the British version and then I watched the American version as well and I was like oh that's cool that's really cool I was into acting anyway but very traditional I, I'm, I'm very harsh on like British theatre very traditional British theatre where you stand you stand still and you you say things loudly but I was like oh this is this is m much more interesting because it's all about things happening in the moment and the audience are in on the game and you have no idea what is going to happen next. And I think that's really invigorating and exciting. So I went to an improvisation workshop in London, hosted by Alan Marriott, uh, who's a very talented improviser and teacher and mentor from Canada. Um, but he does a lot of work over here and he's brilliant. And a lot of people, a lot of comedians work with him. Like he worked with Cariad Lloyd, he worked with Sarah Pascoe, uh, so many people. He worked with Abandon Man. Have you heard of him? Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, improvised rapper. Uh, and he's worked with like Eddie Izzard and Alan Davis and people like that. So he's he's amazing kind of improvisation mentor. And that got me into that. And I did like the circuit for a bit. And I had an improv troupe in Peterborough and we did regular shows. And then all of uh, my improv chums went off to drama school to be proper actors. And, and I wanted to be a proper actor too, but I didn't get in. Drama schools, um, a lot of drama schools went, yeah, I just don't know. You're a bit too quirky for us. Or you don't really, I don't know where to place you. Or your body's interesting, isn't it? Like that, that was, I won't tell you the drama school, but that was verbatim what someone said to me what yeah yeah and it uh, and it was soul destroying and heartbreaking and when you're 16 19 16 17 18 19 because i auditioned for a long time uh yeah it's heartbreaking and it took me a long time to get out of that um get out of that hole just going well, what do i do so i started up a youth theater or i ran a youth theater with a co-worker with a colleague um for a bit and then and then started up a theater company and we did very serious plays for a long time because i wanted to be a very serious actor because that's what all my mates were doing and then about 24 25 
I was like, hang on, I've completely forgotten about this improvisation stuff that I used to do. And I completely forgot about the thrill of an audience laughing at you. And that's where I feel most comfortable. And I found myself in like um, very privileged rooms, like theatre companies rehearsing plays. And, I, you know, privilege check. It was amazing that I was there and being assistant director or directing sometimes and and sitting there and all of the actors were sat around the table talking. I was like, why, why are you all talking? Can't we just can't we just get up and do it? And then long story short, I, f I figured out that there is a different way of making theatre, a different way of making comedy is that you can get up and you can try things and you can improvise and you can devise things in a room and you can um, spark off people. So, yeah, when I was about 25, we set up Lamp House Theatre Company and we started doing comedy shows, uh, always with a story. And we're always trying to tell a story. Uh, but it's always like laughter and comedy is at the forefront. And also that idea of audiences being a huge part of our work. So, yes, <laughs> we will rehearse it. And what we say is like 60% of it is rehearsed, but there's that 40% that can change every night. Uh, and that the audience can really feel like this is special. This is only happening tonight. So a good example of that is we did a production of Peter Pan, a comedy version of Peter Pan, where, uh, where the kids in the audience that night really were fans of Captain Hook. So Captain Hook became the protagonist in the end and he became a good guy and uh, and he did the last song where he wasn't, you know, we didn't rehearse that at all. It was supposed to be Peter Pan who does the last song. But we love that flexibility. We love that idea of going, okay, let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, and, and talking to an audience and yeah, getting feedback from an audience in real time. So yeah, sorry, Marvin, I've been talking for ages, but that is, yeah, that's why Lamp House Theatre exists. And I've only, only recently been confident in calling myself a clown as well. Um, okay. And what led to this? You wanted to give Gaudia a go and like clowning, like you started off improvisation, you want to be a serious actor, but what led to that? And like, how has it got to the stage where, you know, you've learned from Gaudia, you were in involved in a youth theatre, um, you took a postgraduate certificate in applied theatre, and then you've been in Golia. Like, how have you combined all of these improv and all these things together to what you are now? That's a really good question. I think, um, I think it, it is about trying to make a living. I've been... <laughs> has has always driven what I've done next and I've only just reflected on that where like I couldn't afford to live in London so I came back to Peterborough and I go okay well how can I be an artist working in Peterborough if I did a clown show I probably wouldn't I wouldn't pay the bills not <laughs> yet anyway so that's why I started doing the youth theatre was just to you know be able to be creative but also be able to get paid for it <laughs> so it's always been a business sense which is really boring isn't it but it you know it has worked for me in a way 
and I do a lot of teaching and I do a lot of being paid to direct community productions and I love I love working with professional performers but I also love working with people that do something else during the day there's something so exciting about working with and I'm going to say real people you know what I mean but like working with firefighters and working with ambulance drivers and working with teachers and getting them to do comedy in the evening it's, it's just thrilling because they come with real wisdom and street wiseness and stuff like that um and i came into clown because i work with a clown called mark curtis who is very good friends with philippe gollier he went there for two years uh mark brings or used to bring philippe over to england to do workshops and that's that was my first experience with philippe actually is mark had a very small baby at the time and philippe wanted to uh to meet the baby so i was in this foyer of a theater with philippe beside me and we were like passing a baby around it was a very weird experience <laughs> with philippe gollier um and then i did lejeu uh with philippe and and all of that thing about connecting with an audience and uh, it feeling like it is the very first time you've said this thing and it's fresh and it's open and it's playful and and le jeu meaning the game basically isn't it like you ha there is a game you're all invested in this game called theater and it just clicked with me i was like this is what i've been thinking all along and it's articulated a lot of things that i think about theater and comedy so yeah so uh, i went yeah i've got to work with him and i've got to go to france and i've got to you know but you know three weeks is small fry any anyone who was there for a year probably looks at me and goes three weeks that's nothing but but yeah i really enjoyed it and what about when you went back into clan like how was it i mean you mentioned a bit about some of it before but how what 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 did it add to what you already knew from Gaudia in Le Jeu? I think um, Le Jeu makes made sense to me at the time because it was it was not clowning it was it was acting and performing, and people talk about clown uh, sometimes not everyone but some people talk about clown as a very particular thing, very particular and it's very specific. And don't call yourself a clown unless you know you're a clown. And don't call yourself a clown until you found yourself, whatever that means. So I've always been a bit, yeah, um, nervous about the term. And also when people have asked me what clowning is, I've never been able to articulate it. Until I went to Gollier with you in three weeks. And I think I now understand a lot more about what it is. And I understand that I am a clown <laughs> in real life and on stage. Ah. Um, uh, and yeah, I, yeah, it's only been since I've come from Gollier that I go, yeah, okay. I think I've I'm qualified enough now to call myself a clown. What? what <coughs> so if if what what is clowning? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. People might get really. Uh, really angry with me for getting it wrong but this is this is what i think it is right ha, ha, ha. Uh, and this is just copying stuff that i heard at gollier 
but a clown a clown comes on stage uh, with a bad idea. The clown thinks it's a really good idea and the clown wants to make like the perfect perfect new piece of art and they've got dignity and they've got you know courage and they go out there and they flop and they make this bad idea funny and and the difference between that and like a comedian is a comedian goes out with loads of great ideas and the uh this is not always the case, but you know, and you go out and you try and be really good and you try and be really funny and bam, 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 line after line after line, duh, you nail it and the audience laugh. Whereas the clown goes out and is vulnerable and is and goes, I think it's a good idea. No, no one's no one's going for it. And it's the aftermath that the clown becomes funny. Um so so in our new show war of the worlds on a budget the example would be that my clown really believes that i can do war of the worlds justice yes jeff wayne does it in arenas yes tom cruise does it in hollywood films but i really believe that i can do it with me and some cardboard and i can be as good as jeff wayne and tom cruise and obviously i can't but because my clown really determined to do so and my trousers fall off and, and my, you know, cardboard melts because it's wet and, you know, um, and I trip over and the audience are charmed by that and, and, and laughs at my um, vulnerability, basically, and my idiocy. Yeah. Do you agree? What's what? Yeah. What would you think a clown is? Um. <clears throat> I see it more as, um, yeah, I, in some ways what you said there, but I, I mean, one thing I've found when I've, when it's gone well with the clown is I'll come up with an idea and it doesn't go as planned, but I just go with whatever's there rather yes. than try and try and like when Sam came in and we we're both dressed in his Dalton and I left the stage cause I wanted to get the ball or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He went and did something. I was expecting not to, and then I went and did it anyway. Just we just played with each other, and then yeah. it, that was quite funny. Yeah. Totally, yeah, 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 yeah. Free play. I think being in the room, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot more physically, more like comedies. A lot of stand-ups based on the words, uh, but with clowning, I think a lot of it's more physical, mm. more in your connection to the audience. Because you know, throughout my time, I, I was just pretending to be Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and being very funny doing so. <laughs> but, um, uh, but it's, um, oh, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, you were, you're very, but it was, it, it, like, it was you, it was your attempt to be Spanish that was hilarious. It's, it wasn't, uh, it was you really wanting to do it well, but not, quite hitting the mark that made us like really like roll on the floor laughing i think that's what it is and and yeah a perfect example of, of, for clowning i think 
I think, yeah. I th but the thing that I think with clowning, and I want to discuss as well, because a lot of it's with stand-up, there's so many people that do it differently, but a lot of them, they spend so many hours writing the perfect joke and they test out in a lot of different rooms and it works. But with clowning, a lot of it seems to be more on stage. But the thing is, how do you make it good when you've rehearsed it dozens and dozens of times and create the same effect as you did originally? Mm. I think it takes a very particular performer who who doesn't mind going on stage and forgetting those months and months of rehearsals uh, that you've done and putting that all in the bin and and just being with an audience like i think a clown has to really find the joy in being being with an audience um and we uh, and we find that difficult sometimes finding those people because we do shows with like three or four people in them who are willing to do that because a lot of actors a lot of performers just want to learn their lines and act really well and do the same every night and you know make sure it's comfortable for them hmm. whereas someone like that who's been trained in that way might find our work very stressful <laughs> they you know they ask questions like so what will what what will happen here and we go yeah i don't know depends, ah! on, the, depends on the audience doesn't it and they're like what what do you mean by that it's like well if they're enjoying it do more if they're not then move on did did you find that in terms of some of the people you work with in the school as well? Because a lot of people are coming from very different backgrounds. Like there's comedians, there's mm. theatre people, there's actors. I mean, you work with three odd people. Like you work with Lil, you work with Sheng Zhu, and who else did you work with? Lil, Sheng Zhu. Uh, yeah, those are the two that I did the... Oh, yeah. What, what's it called? Autocore. Yeah. Um, with. I worked a little bit with Henry at the very beginning. Who else did I work with? I did a, a bit with Piotr. Yeah. Where I <laughs> I cupped his um, private part. Oh, <laughs> yes, that was pretty. <laughs> but that was a you know that happened in real time and none of us planned that and yeah that's a I think that's a good example of searching for something with an audience and then the audience going yeah that's the one um yeah i think that was it it's a bit of a whirlwind i can't re i can't remember all of it um i mean i really enjoyed working with both of them but they're both but, different yeah really different although both of them were excellent uh responding in the moment like um Sheng Yu and I had done a lot of playing and what I appreciated about him was like let's not talk too much let's just get up and try things and it's like yeah okay oh yeah that works and we did a lot of improvising and a lot of searching for things and the towel routine um, was just one of the things that we played with and we weren't going to share that we were going to just share something else but then as we watched other people and heard what Carlo had to say, we were like, maybe the towel routine, maybe we need to share that. Maybe we just come on and do a bit of that and then we'll move on. And then the towel routine was the best thing that we did. And 
and you know we should have we should have just stuck with that really but that's um that's the beauty of clown school going oh yeah okay you you take it so seriously and then you find something and you're like oh yeah yeah this is great and lil lil was brilliant we did a lot more talking and we had a lot more we went into lots of depth about oh what could this mean because we were given the task to do something based on goodbye atomp because it was the very last day wasn't it hmm. um uh yeah for everyone yeah so we did yeah she she was uh quite methodical i thought okay uh but again has has that amazing skill when she she's put in front of an audience like i didn't know at the time because i was so i had to concentrate on my bucket and my kazoos because that's basically the routine we had kazoos yeah. and we had to sing um and play the final countdown with these kazoos but we had like loads of kazoos and we had to chuck them in each other's buckets basically but she uh, every time she caught of kazoo in her bucket she she would bow i didn't realize that at the time because i was doing other things on the but it was only when i played it back i was like that's hilarious and we hadn't talked about that at all she just she just added that herself um yeah yeah so yeah both of them really really good to work with but di but, but in different ways but that's what i was yeah. trying to get at like the yeah, yeah. the the See, I mean, what you said there, I thought maybe Lil would be more playful rather than like mm. Sheng Zhu, but it was, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely playful. They were both really, really playful. It's just, I think because Lil and, and I are both quite thoughtful people and we, and we have lots of ideas. We're ideas people, I think. That's why we did, okay. uh, we did a lot of talking. But that's, I think that is the annoying thing about theatre and comedy is that you try and search for years and years and years for the one thing the one way of working but my view is there isn't one i think every show every time you do something you have to invent a new and there's definitely you know um an ethos that you can lock down and there's different ways of uh, connecting with an audience that you can lock down but I think every time you work with someone new or with different material I think you've always got to be open to working in a different way and how, how does that sort of help in regards to being your own man in a way like I know you're with your missus you and your missus run Lamphouse Theatre it's your own thing but how does having that mindset help when you're your own boss in a way like you guys work under your own thing and like what what are the yeah, benefits yeah. yeah i mean the benefits are i can't sit still for too long so i so i do a lot of various things like pardon me like i said earlier i do a lot of teaching i do a lot of directing i do some acting with other theater companies i do some comedy directing so i direct other people's comedy shows or stand-up shows so uh, yeah so i'm always moving and i'm always doing something different and and this that might sound cheesy but you do everything you do you 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 learn you learn a lot from it that you can take into other mediums so like i directed some 13 year olds in a play uh this year 
which you think would be a completely different world from doing a clown show. But actually, I learned so much about playing and being playful and imagination from these 13 year olds um, and their their perspective on the world and their perspective on things. And because they, I mean, at 13, they, they're changing and they're becoming less imaginative and that, which is sad, but they were, they were still at that point where they didn't see the world as a literal thing. And that's what I love putting into my clown stuff and my comedy stuff is, is looking at stories and looking at things in a very, very lateral, very imaginative way. So anything's possible basically. So yeah, so I, I'm very yeah privileged in the sense that I get to do lots of things. So I run this company with my partner, Becky, uh, but I also get to do other things and she gets to do other things as well. She's a writer, she's a poet. Um, and that's nice as well because we've got very different skill sets and she would completely hate Gollier and she would completely hate clowning and being up on a stage, not knowing what to do. And she thinks I'm bonkers for doing anything clown based. <laughs> But her as a dramaturg or a writer in a clown room or in a comedy room is beautiful because she gets she analyzes what you're doing and she goes, OK, this is why you're being funny or just change that word or just change that movement. Um, yeah, so I would recommend that as well if anyone's making a show. To have that person who can be who has a completely different skill set, whether that is writing or. I don't know, dramaturgery or whatever because it's really good because you're being provoked all the time. Hmm. Well, okay. That's And what, what do I want to lead on from that? That's so, and what, what the challenge, I mean, there's so many theater companies within the UK. There's so many people doing different things. I remember watching um, a program with Paul Daniels and his wife, well, the, Rest in peace, Paul Daniels, great magician and did a lot of great things, but he used to support the theatre of his wife. And one of the things they used to say with a lot of theatre reductions is that a lot of them don't make much money. Like, how do you guys like go through a lot of the challenges that a lot of theatre companies face in terms of picking the right venues, knowing how to sell it, knowing how to make a good profit from it, and knowing how to... Um, you know, build a following for it and make it successful where you can work in other things like working in comedy shows with, I don't know, you're probably working with um, Jimmy Carr or you're working with, um, I don't know, Jeff Innocent. I don't know. <laughs> I wish. No, it's no, yeah, yeah, not working with Jimmy Carr. Um, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe. In the future. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy Carr has a director. He probably doesn't. But um, yeah, money is. Mm, yeah it's interesting and and we support a lot of young theatre makers trying to create their own theatre companies and my answer to this question has actually changed in the last three years because it was quite optimistic and quite um, positive in 2019 but now with the cost of living crisis and stuff like that it's so difficult it's so difficult to to even imagine having a creative life and making money from it especially if you know you haven't got any support from elsewhere 
uh, or you're lucky enough to get you know family support or whatever uh, which we didn't have at all but there is there is still hope and I think what we discovered is that make we have made ourselves important and we've made ourselves have a real purpose by the location that we've put ourselves in so we're both born and raised in Peterborough we know the city really really well and we've had to be a bit selfless and gone why but why does Peterborough need a theatre comedy company we can't just make shows that we want to make we need to make shows that Peterborough need uh, and, and sometimes Peterborough needs funny shows and but very often we go, yeah, we're going to create a festival because people need a laugh. Um, but we've, m we've made our money and we, when I say made our money, we have been able to pay ourselves. We make no profit um, out of what we do. But we've, we've, we've been able to survive by doing that and by going, okay, this is this is important for people's mental health and this is important for uh the you know for people to feel like they belong you know belonging in a in a place um and because of those elements that means we can get arts council support that means we can get local authority support that means that we make shows that are so accessible that Families can come, people can come, uh, you know, grandparents, parents and kids can all come at once. So, you know, we can get some really good numbers in and ticket sales and, you know, that covers us sometimes. Um, people really want to donate to us because they can see the worth of our work. So, yeah, so for people making theatre and making comedy now, I, I, I don't want to say solely do what we're doing, don't do exactly what we're doing, but do ask yourself why? why. Why do people need you? And what have you got to say? And don't think of it as a negative question. Don't think, oh, I don't have anything to say. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. But but find what's, why are you unique? And why do does the world need you now? God, that's deep, isn't it, Marvin? I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, that's fine. It's uh, got. It's good. The the deeper, the better in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and the arts council um, application has changed. With you know, and you have to answer very similar conversations like what what are you going to do to the community with the community for the community, um, and that doesn't, and and a lot of people are thinking, oh, okay, we've got to make it into a community project. Not at all, like comedy is very, very important. Laughter is very, very important. And you can argue <laughs> that there is community, it can be community focused and you can perform your one person comedy show, uh, but it can have a real benefit in the community. If you think about it. <laughs> hmm. And is that also why maybe it's helped you guys because you're in Peterborough you're able to maybe more, make more of an impact because if you're in London, maybe you wouldn't be able to build a much of a connection. And there's a lot more in London. There's too many things going on. Yeah, maybe. Although surprisingly enough, we did we did a run in London last week. First time we've ever done a run in London. And it's it sold really well. 
and we were like, where, where have all these people come from? Um, we, we're still answering that question for ourselves. Um, but London might be a thing that we look at in the, future. Uh, in the future. But definitely, I think we've definitely found a location, Peterborough and the east as well. So we go into uh, Norfolk, Suffolk, uh, Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Essex, and so on. Essex. Essex, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're not precious as well. Like, we will go into village halls, we will go into churches, we'll go into schools. We've done castles before, we've done car parks, we've done round the back of toilet cubicles like we we're not precious we will perform anywhere uh yeah and our people people i think really appreciate that informality that's not a word is it that relaxed atmosphere um yeah and so with all okay that's that's if so what would you say the benefits of being in a place like Peterborough, well, in a place like London, and what would you say the drawbacks are? What What are the pluses and the minuses of being in there, and what are the yeah, effectively? So positives are uh, investment, so you can get funding maybe a bit easier. Uh, you can grow an audience who might follow you for a long time. Uh, you get to like really understand and really make a relationship with venues and other change makers in the city and the area. Drawbacks. Uh, we have had lots of conversations about our shows having to be accessible for a particular audience. So we, you know, we would love to go all out and do a title work that people have never heard of before or do a musical, a new musical about something that no one realizes or no one has heard of before. But we have to be really careful because no one will come to that in Peterborough. They might do in London, you know, where people are really interested in new musical theater or new whatever. So that's one thing. Um, also the understanding of like the benefits of the arts in the area you've really got to pardon me you've really got to argue sometimes but you've, you've really got to argue your case like there's been a few times where local councillors or you know people in leadership roles have gone why are you getting that money shouldn't that be paid shouldn't that help the homeless or shouldn't that help uh. you know other you know there are more important things in the city we don't need your art thank you very much it's only happened you know one or two times but um and maybe that happens everywhere i don't know but yeah you've really got to argue your case and also when you're trying to connect with people because in a place like this like there's a big uh community theatre scene and you go in and go oh we've got a show for you it'll cost you this much they're like well why aren't you doing it for free ah oh, oh, sorry we're professional performers we do this as a living oh but why does it cost that much Be yeah because we do it for a living um <laughs> what what but it's that much okay let's break it down for you 
and, <laughs> and we, and we, you know, and that's I'm not taking the piss. Maybe I am a little, <laughs> but um, but you've really got to explain it sometimes. Going, yeah, we're getting we're getting paid, and not much as well. But there's three people in this, plus we have been rehearsing for three weeks. Plus, there's a van outside with our set in it. That, we had to hire that. Plus, whatever else is, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes you really have to fight for it. But it's worth it. You're saying, like, fight for this love. Fight for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, what animal would best describe people like that? And what animal would best describe you? Ah, <laughs> uh, people like that. I mean, uh, the majority of people like that are lovely and they really understanding and we've got a great network of venues, but people who don't understand, I think it's uh, the word that comes to mind is apathy. So what animal is really apathetic or just looks at you like that? A cat. A cat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cat that's just going, hmm, I don't know who you are. And then the animal I would be is why does giraffe why is giraffe the first thing that comes to <laughs> very thoughtful love love my food, just kind of overseeing everything, going, hmm, yes, I think everything's I'm quite chilled as a person, I think um, yeah, slow moving only like very thoughtful thinks about things for a long time but i do people have said that when i get on stage i'm a completely different person or a completely different animal i think when i get on stage i'm more of a um oh who's like a dog probably really excited and and okay what we're gonna do what we're gonna do uh so yeah i'm yeah whether you call that a clown persona or whatever you you want to call that that's mm. very different to what I am in real life. And what what is your what is your what what's what's your is cereal soup? <laughs> Say again, is cereal soup? Yeah. What do you mean? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. Um, what, what 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 is your biggest fear? And. Um, who is the most interesting person you've met on this performing journey? Oh, they're two really great questions. So who have I met that's really interesting? Uh, I'll do that one first. Who have I met that's really interesting? I think, oh, it's really... It might. Uh, it's a cheesy answer again, but I think it's. I think it's true. I think working with younger people, like there is something really invigorating about working with young people and children and doing workshops with them. And like half the time, you're like, okay, I'm doing this for the money, and I just need to get them to perform and it'll be fine but then half the time you're like 
that's so that's so inspiring that you yeah you think i'm trying to think of an like a specific example but um like anything is possible with kids so if you're trying to tell the story of peter pan and you don't have the ability for peter to fly kids don't mind they're like well no he's flying now if he just gets on his tiptoes or he's flying if he just go if he stands on that chair look at him he's flying uh yeah so i think there's something there's something amazing about that and remembering as adults that like childish playfulness and what was the other question sorry what did i say what, what's the thing that scares you most oh oh i should have started with that one um <laughs> i think at the moment it is, it is uh artists surviving and making a living uh i've it's really hit me hard over the last couple of days all of this like cost of living crisis stuff in this country anyway because like i had to go to uh i had to go to norfolk and back in a day and it was going to cost me over a hundred quid to do it i was like i just don't have that money and it was it's for a meeting i was like oh. and i would love to be able to do it in person but we're probably going to have to do it over zoom because we can't afford to afford that and yeah, and it's it's only a slight fear, but hopefully it doesn't build too much. And that the artists are going to be okay. I mean, hopefully everyone's going to be okay. Um, but I, yeah, I really feel for everyone who's you know trying to support a family or who you know who's doing anything and trying to be creative at the same time. But that gives that gives me agency to go. Okay, Lamphouse can help we can make sure that people can be creative in their homes and be creative in their in their city especially peterborough so maybe next year my life will be just making lots of joyful projects where people can all get involved that's probably what will be my response hopefully now following on from that like what's what's the most imp no that's a great that's a great little um it's still, even though things are sort of starting up again, it's still a big worry. Mm. You know, the Edinburgh Fringe, there's um, mm. a lot of people complaining about the cancellation of Fringe app. Yes. Um, but that's, and that a lot of support hasn't gone to the artists and that they're saying that the Edinburgh Fringe, the people don't really give a shit. Well, I don't really know. I think maybe they're, I, I've only been to the Fringe once and I've not really, or twice, but I've only performed the show once. So I don't really know the full details of it but it does it does seem that the Edinburgh Fringe is getting more and more extortionate mm. oh yeah yeah totally totally and I think the the whole app stuff and and the half price hut um not being there because those those were the two things that helped audiences find new work and find new new companies that they'd never heard of before and 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 take a punt basically on on shows oh okay so look at the app what's what's on in half an hour okay let's just go <clears throat> uh and the half price hurt as well and yeah 
I don't know much of the politics around it. I wouldn't want to um, comment too much, but yeah, it does feel like it is very easy for someone well known to go up to Edinburgh and make lots of money. Yeah, and then it's very, very difficult for a new company or an emerging company or emerging comedian to go up and to be seen, and that that gap is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger every year. I think one of the things is they want you at the, the paid fringes are the ones that get most of the most of the reviewers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know comedians who have been in the paid fringe, but then this year have gone, no, stuff that I'm going to be on the free fringe because that's all I can afford. And it's a, you know, it makes a lot more sense. And, and that is what historically the fringe was all about um so we'll see we'll see uh, yeah and it's working class artists haven't who haven't got any support have no chance of going to edinburgh like even forgetting about venue costs and marketing just getting up there and staying up there during august i think it's cost it's costing us and we're very privileged because we've got support but it's costing us four thousand pounds just to stay up there this august yeah 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 yeah. four thousand pounds and that is for a uh you know four people but that's still like a lot of money so yeah so yeah the next five years ten years will be really interesting i think for the circuit now we got a couple more questions before we finish off. But like, what, what, what's, what's the inappropriate thing that you've done on the performance journey, and what's the most inappropriate thing you've seen someone else do on the performance journey? <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> well, I mean, weird, strange, fucked up, or yeah, like yeah, yeah. creepy. I don't know anything. Um. I mean, we we tried to do uh, this was this was lots and lots of years ago, but we tried to do a like a, it was like an improvised clown show basically on the streets of Peterborough. And we're like, oh, we'll just we'll just turn up. We'll be really silly. We've got our, our instruments because we all played music, and we'll stop people. We'll get suggestions from them, and we'll just do some stuff. And about 45 minutes in, some of it went really well, but 45 minutes in, the police turned up and we were told to stop and we were told to move on and never do it ever again. Because um, I can't even remember what we said, but one of the scenes, people heard one of the scenes from afar and they didn't know it was a show and they thought like someone was, there was a fight happening or something, I don't know. But um but yeah, so I, I learned that day that context is everything <laughs> in comedy. Like the audience have got to be with you. Um, and then the most inappropriate thing that I've seen someone else do. <laughs> the most inappropriate thing. Um, I mean, I mean, this is really inappropriate and he got kicked off for doing this. But he, uh, 
I think there was an open mic night, uh, like a comedy poet got up, and um, how do I describe this? He he tried to imitate people from different places. Oh. So he started off and he was fine. He did American, he did Australian, and then he carried on. And he 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 brought his fingers up to his eyes. Oh. Yeah, and then he got kicked off. But what was awful, obviously, but what was really interesting was watching the audience. Um like it was yeah it was a, a unique experience because i've never seen so much like disgust in an audience but it was a british audience as well so they really didn't know how to handle it <laughs> like anywhere else he would get shouted at and he would get punched in the face or whatever but but british people just shuffle and go oh this is, this is terrible so it was really funny to see how people would react to that but yeah that was really inappropriate um <laughs> but it's and it happened in slow motion as well like his arms went up and you're like he's going to do it he's going to do it he's going to do it he's going to do he's doing it um yeah yeah weird, weird things that people think they have to do to make people funny oh, oh god yeah now what is what are like the what are the crazy ventures you want to try out in your life as a performer and what has performing given you and what, 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 what lesson would you like to impart to other people listening on the podcast and how do people find out about you? Mm. Um, what was the first question? <laughs> <laughs> My memory is awful. <laughs> so come on, you got what are the crazy adventures you want to try in your new oh, life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, and this is Gollier inspired, right? This is Clown School inspired. I would love to do a show with no words in it whatsoever. Uh, I think we're very word based in our company and we write lots of lyrics and lots of songs. I would love to do an entire show without any words. That's a big adventure. And, and actually talking about, we were very inappropriate doing that street performance, but street performing, I think, is something that I'd love to explore again with all of this wisdom and uh, and experience now from Gollier and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, so that's what I'd love to do. And then next thing is uh, wisdom to give to other people. Is that yeah? The what's thing? what's the biggest thing you've learnt from your performance journey that you wish you'd known? when you're younger and that you'd like to tell anyone else that's listening to this podcast saying, yo, 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 like Tom, could you give me some advice? Yeah. I think I've really taken to heart <laughs> about that thing about connecting with an audience because in a lot of places when you're younger or even at drama school, you're trained to look over people's heads or you're trained to look at the fire exit sign. Um, and I saw a show the other day and I was like, well, that fire exit sign is having a brilliant show, but, but I'm not. <laughs> but that thing about, and it's, yes, it is about looking at me and looking at the audience, but if it's, if it's not a show 
where that's appropriate, you still can connect with us. We need to know as an audience that you are performing for us. So even if you're in a play, for example, and you're looking at another character, you still need to be aware of us. So whether that's how loud you speak or what you do with your body, like you are telling us a story. Um, don't forget about the audience. The audience is everything. And easier said than done, enjoy being with an audience. You have to really enjoy it. Don't just go through the motions. Like be, be absolute pleasure just being up there. Um, yeah, being up there. And even if they're looking at you like, who the fuck is this? Like just be, you know, enjoy that. Enjoy the awkwardness. Um, yeah, I wish I'd learned that a lot, lot sooner. Great. And for like anyone that's, yeah, so you're saying accept, just just go with the flow. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, more more important now than any other time. Like a room full of people is a very exciting thing. Uh, yeah, so enjoy it. And so that the and what what what. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna stop doing that <laughs> what what would be like um your um yeah so for anyone that's listening back home and they want to find out about you how do they find out about you tom so we're lamp house theater and you can find us on lamphousetheatre.co.uk uh, we're on instagram facebook twitter uh, and I've got my own personal Twitter and Instagram, which is Tom Fox, or I think my Twitter's Tom Foxy Fox. Um, uh, so yeah, some of my solo shows and other things you can find on there. Um, yeah, come to a show, everyone. Come see us. We're in <laughs> Edinburgh this year with War of the Worlds on a budget at the space at Surgeons Hall right. uh, for the whole festival. Come and have a laugh. Yeah, so listen up, yeah. If you don't, then do it. No. Go and watch the show. And when's your show? Uh, it's it's a late morning. The times change, but it's around like 11 a.m., 12 a.m. Or 11 a.m., 12 noon, sorry. Okay. And guys, that's been the end of Tom. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I mean, if you want to find out about the podcast or like Tom, you're going to see it in the links. Uh, make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends, give us a five-star review on Amazon or iTunes. And of course, if you're feeling really dandy, donate to the Patreon and we can have more scintillating guests like Tom. And guys, I will see you at the next episode, all right?